Hello, dear friend, and welcome. My name is Cynthia Alice Anderson, and I'm the owner and founder of the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. I have been so honored to be able to offer these programs several days a week, and these programs I know are inspiring, they are supporting, and they are uplifting your life's journey. I want to see that continue, and I honor you for being a part of making that happen. So for over five years, we've been able to offer these programs, and we want to continue to be able to offer them. So over the next 90 days, we are raising $9,000, and that's going to get us all the way through the end of the year. So I ask you to consider taking the time to support the channel that supports you. And again, our goal that we're asking you to be a part of is $9,000 in 90 days. And we look forward to hearing from you, friend. We're honored to support your journey. And we always are lifting you in prayer for God's highest and best in your life. Blessings on the journey, dear friend. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. Welcome to Healing Your Family Legacy, here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. Innovative, evidence-based recovery that helps to identify intergenerational trauma, allowing for freedom and embracement of the healing process. Today, Episode 72, Other Addictions, Part 1. And now your host, Dr. Donna Bevanley. And this is Dr. Donna Bevanley helping you heal your family legacy. Welcome back. And today I'm going to continue with addictions. Now you might think, okay, when does this woman ever stop talking about addictions? And I'll tell you that, you know, we have a few more to go and then I'll stop talking about addictions. Um, The reason, let me reiterate this, that I talk about all these addictions is because sometimes, especially the addictions I'll be talking about today and some of the ones I talked about last time, are addictions that people may not know they have and that addictions, just to simplify the um, the definition so that you understand where I'm coming from, is addictions are behaviors or activities that a person does over and over again in spite of harmful consequences, all right? So like we were talking last week about um, spending, spending debting addictions. Um, you know, I had a woman ask me one time she, because she'd had an argument with her husband about this item that she had bought that was very expensive. And she says, he told me that I was addicted to spending. And I said, well, are there harmful consequences? And she said, well, my husband just doesn't like me to buy these things because he thinks that people will know how much money we have. And I said, well, if that's a real harmful consequence, then yeah, it would be called an addiction if you can't stop yourself. And she said, well, of course I can stop myself. I just wanted this. And I said, well, are you going to go into debt? No. Could you afford it on the spot? Yes. Is anyone going to like suffer from this? And it's like, well, no, maybe existentially, perhaps, but no. And I said, well, I don't think that's an addiction. Like if you buy something you want 
It doesn't put you in the debtor's prison, you know, make you bankrupt, have creditors following you around, doesn't take away from food on the table. I think we're good. So there has to be a harmful consequence that you continue to ignore and that you participate in the behavior over and over again. Okay. So today I'm going to start out with work addiction. Now, you know, work addiction is one of those that is kind of like, okay, well, what if I am, what if I do have this uh, profession or this job that requires me to do all this work? A work addiction I usually have seen in my life when somebody's work takes a physical toll on them or, you know, it takes a toll on their children's lives or, you know, so it's it's kind of usually when I see it, somebody's recovering from a heart attack or something, right? And the doctor has said, you need to cut back on your work. And I will give you an example of what a work addiction would be. And, you know, when I was working full time uh, and I, I lived in, you know, Seattle, so I saw a lot of people from big corporations there like Amazon and Microsoft and, you know, some of the, some of the, um, other, um, like Google and some of those big companies that I, and what I notice is that the requirements, the expectation that they have for their workers. And, you know, I'm not telling stories here because you've probably read it in the paper. People have been really angry about how much time and energy they have to put into their work just so they won't be in trouble, okay, so they won't lose their job. The expectations are ridiculous. You know, I've had people in my office that literally work 16 hours a day at some of these corporations, and yes, they are suffering. They are depressed. They're angry. They're, they haven't seen their children or their wives or, you know, anything but but whatever it is that they have to do to get to work and come home and crash, you know, sleep. They don't have any leisure. That is ridiculous. And it does create work addiction. Now, there are other work. There's other work that people get into work addiction. And that is, you know, it's like that's when the one I just described is when the employer is requiring people to, you know, be involved in a work addiction because, yeah, there's harmful consequences. And, yes, they continue to do it. But there are the ones where the worker has more power to determine uh, whether or not they're in a work addiction. Those are the ones that individually you have more power over. You have more control over whether or not you continue. For instance, um, so, you know, I've known people that ha- are working two or three out, two or three jobs. Okay. And, and it's not because they need to make their mortgage payment. It's not, you know, it's not out of need. Let's just say it's out of, I want to, I want to be a billionaire before I die. Okay. I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that 
There might be harmful consequences for a person who's working two or three jobs that don't need that they don't need to work two or three jobs. In the meantime, you know, they've got blood pressure issues. They are drinking too much because by the time they get home, they have to do something to quote unquote calm down so that they can sleep. Um, they haven't seen their kids. They don't go to their kids' games. They don't participate in their kids' lives that much. Uh, their kids are starting to feel alienated. They might not even know they're feeling alienated. Um, their, their spouses are really angry because the spouse is having to do all, all of the home and child work and they don't see their spouse. I mean, these are harmful consequences. And it might surprise you to know that sometimes these situations, a person will end up in treatment for work addiction. And they actually have to almost work a 12-step program so that they don't get back into it. It's a tough one because a lot of people get their sense of self-worth and value from their work. And so asking someone to cut back on something that they feel gives them a sense of value and worth in their life is tough because, you know, work isn't by itself a bad thing. In fact, it's pretty much required um, for most of us to, you know, do the things that we want to be able to eat, to have a place to live, all those kind of things. But again, going back to do you do this over and over again in spite of harmful consequences? And the harmful consequences aren't things like, well, you know, I miss my best uh, TV show. Well, I can't be on my screen as much as I want because I have to do this, that, or the other thing at work. Like that is not a harmful consequence in the world. A harmful consequence, does it have an impact on your physical health? Does it have an impact on your spouse, on your children? You know, do you have to drive, you know, three hours to get there and three hours back? Okay, these are harmful consequences for you. Okay, so that is a work addiction. And then you say, well, what about, you know, I grew up on farms and ranches, right? We worked all the time. But it wasn't, you know, it's like it was something that we all participated in. We had family time around it. We saw our cousins, our grandparents. You know, it's like we'd all go, you know, when when the workday was over, you know, we'd go have dinner. We'd crash out, fall asleep. And, you know, I remember once when I was young asking my uh, parents, because I was in a school that time at that time for more than a few minutes. Um, <clears throat> I said, why don't we ever get to go on a vacation? Because my the people at school had these things they called the vacations. And that meant that for a couple weeks every year, they got to go somewhere cool like Disneyland or, you know, to uh, national parks and things like that. And we didn't do that. And my my mother said, well, because we have horses, cows, pigs, chickens, we, you know, have planted, you know, our crops for the year, for the season, 
And we can't just leave them, can we? We can't just leave them. Well, back then, there weren't many people around to help us take care of that. So, no, we couldn't leave them. And, but it was like, okay, I get it. And then we'd see our cousins maybe once a year when they came to work on the farm. So, um, you know, that's one thing. So being a being a surgeon, you know, sometimes medical people have to work way more than 40 hours a week. Um, you know, I used to have to work more than 40 hours a week when I was at the, you know, when I was younger and working in my profession. So there are professions and jobs that require you to work more than 40 hours a week. But you have to ask, okay, are there harmful consequences? Now, what I would tell you is that if there are children, there are harmful consequences for your children if you're not spending enough time with them. And that will come back to you. You know, they still might go to, you know, they might go to school, they might become successful, but the relationship you have with them will be challenged as you age. So, you know, I think, especially now, people are saying, if I'm going to go back to work in the office or if I'm going to back, back to work for this company, I want to, I want to be more specific about what I want. And, you know, probably what I get compensated is at the top of the list, but how much time I'm going to be able to have with my children and my spouse and being able to be in my community. I want that time. And I completely support that. Because the more time you have with your family, <laughs> the less time I'm going to have to be in my office dealing with those kids that aren't getting what they need. Okay? So, good for you. So, the next, uh, the next one I want to talk about is video games. Now... I was talking to my producer about this a little bit, and he was talking about how, you know, there's really some positive aspects of video games, and I think that's true. I mean, it's been shown that, you know, especially when it comes to, say, military or, geez, I, you know, I had a, a guy, you know, a physician talk to me about how, you know, and his, he's, he's a surgeon, and he was talking about how he played a lot of video games when he was young, and now when he does his surgical procedures and he does surgical procedures that are really microscopic, it's like he, he knows how to, his, his brain has been trained how to do those little things. And, you know, so he's a really great surgeon to do those really minute things like with eyes and, you know, it's like that is, you, you kind of need those skills. And, and so, I, I do think that video games have a place, but if you play them over and over again, in spite of harmful consequences, that would mean that you have an addiction. And there are treatment facilities just for treating adolescents and young adults who have gaming addictions. And that means that they are not you know, they're not in school, they're not, they're not interacting with other kids except, except over, over the internet while they're gaming. And usually they have avatars, so they don't even know who the real people are. Okay. They're not really interacting with other human beings 
in a one-to-one basis. Um, they might not be getting enough sleep. They might not be willing to come and have, you know, dinner with the family. And when they do, you know, and this is another thing about addictions, is that you know it's an addiction when you stop and you go into withdrawal. Okay? And that's like if you are a video gamer and when you stop, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you're pacing the floor, you don't know what to do with yourself, that would be called withdrawal. And it's a good time to take a look at, okay, it's like if you're, if you are in school and you're not, you know, you're not going to school or you're uh, not getting your work done, that is a problem. And if you continue, there will be really harmful consequences. And, you know, yeah, your parents might not even know that you're doing this. Because maybe they've got their own addictions going on. You can see how this could be a real problem. On the other hand, you know, it's like there's a lot of useful usefulness in video games. Like I said, you, you develop those fine motor skills way better than, say, hoeing weeds like I did in the field. It's like, you you know, you still have small motor skills, but they're not nearly as honed as they are if you're playing video games. But, like I said, if you have harmful consequences that you continually ignore. Okay, that's like I've noticed, I noticed in my practice before I went, you know, really limited practice, is that people, you know, young people came in with thumb issues. (laughs) Okay. If you are in your early life and you've already got joint issues in your thumbs, that will really be a problem for you when you get, say, to be my age or older, because you'll probably live longer than me and you're going to be having these issues because your body keeps the score. And people who are in addictions have childhood trauma. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing that. Right, they wouldn't be trying to get you know get out of that reality. They wouldn't be trying to distract themselves so much. They would want to be in into their into their uh, into their family if they even stop to think about what am I trying to distract myself from? You know what happens to me. When I stop that behavior, besides having withdrawal symptoms. Okay, so video gaming, you know, I think, I think, uh, the jury's out a little bit on really how much of an impact that has on people, positive or negative. We know some of them, but you know, if, if you're a parent and your child, is video gaming as soon as they come home from school and they're video gaming into the night where they don't have interaction with the family, they're not coming to the table to eat dinner, they're not talking to you. It's like you need to deal with that right away because that's an addiction. And it's, you know, it's like remembering back on, if you've been listening to this, you've heard me talk about what do children want and need in their lives? They need time, 
attention and energy from parents and other primary caregivers. And if they don't get that, the pain and suffering that they feel, they don't know how to deal with, they don't have the ability, they're not mature enough, their brain's not mature enough, their emotional development's not mature enough. And so they start to distract themselves. And video games are one of the ways they do that. So you know as a parent that if your kid, is, you can't get them off their video games, is that they are, they are dealing with issues that, you know, you may or may not know about. And that's what you need to deal with, as well as getting them off those games. Okay, so now I want to talk about people addiction. Now, in my world, people addiction, that people automatically talk about people addiction as codependence. And that is definitely a piece of codependence is that other people's opinions, other people's reality is like more important than yours. Or you think that you have to have these people in your life in order to be okay. And I'm not talking about your family, your parents, your, you know, whatever, people like that. I'm talking about feeling like you need to have other people approve of you in order to be okay. Or that you have to have them around you all the time in order to be okay. And, you know, this, I said, is a piece of codependence. But codependence is actually being immature. Okay? Not acting your age. And when you are acting your age and you're an adult, if you've had your needs met as a child, you are not going to have to have people around all the time. You're not going to have to have their approval all the time. And so you may ask, well, what is normal then about my interaction with people? And I am going to talk about that because it's really important. I'm going to talk about that in our next show. And until then... Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Your Family Legacy here on the Experience of the Soul podcast channel. This channel is made possible because of listeners just like you. If you would like to support the channel with your tax-deductible contribution on an ongoing basis or through a one-time gift, head over to experienceofthesoul.com support. Healing Your Family Legacy is copyright 2022, Dr. Donna Bevanley, all rights reserved. Our theme music is composed by Dave Croft and used with permission. The Experience of the Soul podcast channel is a production of 818 Studios.